0: friends, welcome. I'm Andrew Hicks, and you're listening to the Text and Context Podcast. Hey, Text and Context listeners. I just wanted to make you aware of some free resources that are available for you if this series of classes on Mark has particularly sparked your interest. So you can head over to my website, and I have an article that gives you all sorts of great free resources, links where you can follow and study Mark on your own time. So head on over to textandcontext.com forward slash Mark. Remember it's text and context without ease. So that would be TXT and con forward slash Mark. And there's all sorts of great resources there for you to come through, including a link to the PowerPoint that I've been using as I teach this class. So if you're only listening to this podcast and you're not actually present on Sunday morning in Bible class, then you can have access to this PowerPoint. Or if you are present, but you just want to reference the PowerPoint later, again, there's a link to that PowerPoint there, as well as a couple of book recommendations in case you really want to go for a deep dive into the Gospel of Mark. Either way, thanks for listening. Enjoy the podcast. Because I got a... I got to yammer on about Mark for a while, and I've been out of the habit for a while, so <laughs> got to hop back in. I think I found the place where we left off, so we'll, we'll begin here in just a moment. Um, so Jerry taught for two weeks, right? Yeah, and I, I caught the last end of it, visions and visions dreams. dreams. It's wonderful. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, well, let's hop in. I'll, I'll start us in a prayer, and then we'll hop right in. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, we give you thanks. We give you praise. Thank you for another day of life and breath. Thank you for um, safety. Thank you for um, health. Thank you for um, uh, pleasure. Thank you for the the little blessings that you give us each and every day, like coffee and breakfast and uh, showers and cars with air conditioner and all sorts of other wonderful little things that we Tend to take for granted. Thank you for your many abundant blessings. We love you. Pray that you be with us in our study this morning. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. So I believe we are in Mark 2, 23 through 28. So we're on the the second B in the big mark. We're still on the Big Mark. Haven't made it out of the Big Mark yet. The Big Mark sandwich. Mark, we're in Mark's gospel. Uh, Our new friend Dustin is joining us this morning. Mark's gospel uh, uses sandwiches, so that means he will frame a story with two other things that are really the... So he'll like tell a story, stop, tell one whole story, and then come back to the story he was telling, and so he he does that a lot, and this is what I call the big mark, because it's three different layers uh, to it, so big mac, big mark. I know. I'm super (laughs) clever. You're welcome. So uh, yes, so we are on the second B, so... Top bread, condiments, other condiments, meat. Now we're underneath that. So um, eventually we'll get to the bottom bread. So um, I think the last thing I talked about was this, the Jesus way. Did I talk about that last time? Because um, one Sabbath they were going through the grain fields and as they made their way, um, and then Mark uses the word way over and over and I kind of traced that theme. Did we talk about that? I really thought we did. Okay. I'm gonna say we did. So, um, it was BC. what'd you say? It was BC. BC before child. Yeah, <laughs> no kidding. <laughs> I like that. That's good. BC. So uh, we'll just proceed to the to the text. I'll I'll um I'll tell you what. Let's read the text again, just because it's been a while, and I don't think we actually got into it. So let's read the text again, and then we'll hop into it. We'll skip that thing in the middle, the Jesus way thing. Um, one Sabbath. He was going through the grain fields, and as they made their way, his disciples began to pluck heads of grain. The Pharisees said to him, Look, why are they doing what is not lawful on the Sabbath? And he said to them, Have you never read what David did when he and his companions were hungry and in need of food? He entered the house of God when Abathar was high priest and ate the bread of the presence, which it is not lawful for any but the priests to eat. And he gave some to his companions. Then he said to them, The Sabbath was made for humankind and not humankind for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. So we've already um, talked a little bit about it, but um, it's been a while. B.C., before childhood. I like that. But um, what do you see, just as we read it to begin with? What, what stands out to you before I tell you what stood out to me? A bunch of nitpicking. <laughs> a bunch of nitpicking. No kidding. Oh, my goodness. They're plucking heads of grain for a snack, and they're like, They're harvesting. No harvesting on the Sabbath. It's like, are you serious? We're not harvesting. We're plucking a snack. Morning, Robin. Yeah. That's crazy.
1: You could almost turn around and get after that. You lifted a spoon to your mouth. You were working.
0: You were working. Yeah. Good grief. Like, really? I mean, that's crazy. Yeah. Um, there's one thing that stands out to me that's actually a problem that we got to solve. You know what problem I see? Abathar? Yeah. What's the problem with Avatar? How long
2: you that
0: He's not the right person. That was not the high priest at that point. It was not. It was. Let's see. So Abathar's dad or Abathar's son? I forget. He's one of them. He's either the father or the son, and it's not him. It's the other one. Uh, we'll get to my slides in a minute, and I'll, I'll have to refresh my memory. But um, yeah, it's not Avatar. So you have um, multiple options. We can say, oh, he made a mistake. Eh, I, I don't find that very compelling. Or. Ah, that's, that's one option, maybe. I don't know. Or it's divine, and he made a mistake. I don't know. If Holy Spirit inspires you to screw up, I guess it's fine. Or the but, bigger, um, it's, I think it's attributed to Moses made
1: the
0: mistake. It'd be in Samuel, so it would it would be whoever wrote Samuel, First yeah. Yeah. Samuel.
2: Yeah.
0: Yeah. Wait, what is it? Amatha. Amatha is he the son or the the dad of Abathar? I can't remember. He's one of them. I think he's the dad. I think he's I think, the, the runner-up, I think. Yeah, he's the son that comes after him, right? I think so. Yeah. So, but there's another option, which is Mark is an intelligent author, and he's doing this on purpose, and he's not trying to pull the wool over anybody's eyes, but he is trying to make a point. Because I don't think Mark's doing this saying, oh, they wouldn't know the difference. Plus, what would he gain from that? Probably Mark is saying, oh, you know, when Avatar was the high priest, and he's winking at us, and we're like, wait, Avatar wasn't the priest he says, oh really? Huh. I wonder why I said that then. And he's looking for us to kind of respond to that. That's kind of what I think, but we'll, we'll get into it in a minute and I'll tell you my thoughts. Okay. I'm hopping in a couple of questions that got to be answered right off the bat. What exactly is the Pharisees rub with the disciples? I mean, come on. How is plucking a little bit of a snack really unlawful on the Sabbath? They aren't harvesting good grief. Cool your horses, cool your jets. It's, it's not as, um, it's not as ridiculous as they're making it out to be. So what really is the rub? What's, what, Why are they insinuating that they are harvesting on the Sabbath? It just seems ridiculous. Other one is, why does Jesus say Abathar was the high priest in the passage he references about David? Because it wasn't Abathar in that story. It was Elimelech, his son. Ah, there you go. So he was Abimelech, or Abathar is the dad. Ahimelech is the son. Yeah, and we'll, we'll read that passage and we'll look at it in a minute. But it is interesting. What's going on? I don't know. Um, Also, what is Jesus intending to say by his comment in verses 27 and 28? Uh, The thing about the Sabbath was made for mankind, not mankind for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. What's he trying to get at with that? I don't know. Okay, let's deal with the first one. What's the rub? What's the problem? It seems like the Pharisees are referencing a couple of verses in the law. But it's interesting, you know it's talking about Sabbath. Um, you shall not work on the Sabbath. Uh, Remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. And there's a few brief little mentions of things you're not supposed to do, but they're very broad. They're really not terribly specific. And so rabbis have had a hoot and a half trying to discern exactly what it is you can and can't do on the Sabbath. Oh, you can walk 5,321 steps on the Sabbath says rabbi so-and-so Well, rabbi so-and-so says you can walk only 4,312 steps on the Sabbath. And, um, they, they had a hoot and a half trying to come up with it. And so you're dealing with what the text actually says versus what they've interpreted it to say. And then also, um, uh, that's part of the problem with those vague texts is you can always be like, um, well, you're not supposed to work on the Sabbath. Well, who's to say this is work? How do
2: you, how do you define work? It's work.
0: But that vagueness allows room for, um, it, it allows room for grace, but it also allows room for condemnation for those who want to use it that way. Is what I'm trying to say. So they, they see the room and they're like, uh breaking this out. And it's like, come on, nitpicking. You're just looking for stuff. My goodness, what were you gonna say, Ron? No, that there was just
1: definitely nitpicking, but we see this in Christianity ever since. Oh yeah. So why, you
0: know, oh yeah. Else would no. You have oh no, Christians don't do that. I don't know what you're talking about. No. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um yeah. if you want
2: to discredit someone. silly, mm-hmm. uh, you make yourself look silly that
0: way. <laughs> yes. I mean, they're showing their real colors. Right. The point is not the Sabbath. Right. Their heart is not about keeping the Sabbath and wanting to honor that. That's not really the heart that's coming right. through. The heart that's coming through is, I know they're wrong somehow, I just haven't figured out how yet. Right. Well, that's what
1: they're focused on. Yes. They're only focused on what's wrong, so they're only going to see what's wrong and mm-hmm. so
0: see what was right about Jesus. That's good. That's good. You know, this makes me think of... Um, So, you know, I'm leaving today and I'm going to Memphis, blah, blah, blah. I'm taking a class. It's introduction to the Old Testament grad class. But I've been reading a lot of Old Testament stuff. And so it made me think about um, this conversation. So, you know, that God says you may eat freely of every tree in the garden, except this one. In Hebrew, it's you can eat freely. It's very emphatic. You may eat freely. But then whenever Eve tells the serpent, he said, well, what did God say exactly? She says, he said we could eat. It's not emphatic. It doesn't have the freely. It doesn't have the exuberance. It's interesting. Maybe, maybe we haven't emphasized the abundance of what God has led us to. Right. We've emphasized the one thing he hasn't led us to. Right. I have given you all the trees to eat freely. Mm-hmm. Look at all that fruit. Mm-hmm. And Eve says, wait me." It's okay. Kidding me? I bet the smorgasbord of Eden was like the best buffet you've ever seen. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, that's what comes to my mind. Um, the topic of the legality of Sabbath activities, uh, again, extensively debated amongst the rabbis, the Jews at this time. I mean, it you can I can show you volumes and volumes and volumes de- dedicated to this discussion alone, let alone the other little particularities of the law that we can discuss. But they were, of course, particularly interested in this one. To this day, if you go to Jerusalem, and you will have an opportunity to do so next April if you are so interested, Shameless plug, yeah. A
2: number of years ago, I'm sure it's in print still somewhere. I read a debate between two uh, preachers on whether or not you could use church money to help somebody that wasn't a member of the church.
0: Oh yeah. If somebody outside needed help, uh, one guy said you can't do that because they're not a your
2: group. And the other guy declared they were, you could. So that was the debate. And I've often thought, well, <laughs> you know, what where is the description of what you can use quote
0: church money? Mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's not about the bread, people. It's mm-hmm. not about the bread. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, but if you go to Jerusalem to this day, um, and it's a Sabbath, to Saturday, so Friday evening to Saturday evening, and you're staying in a hotel in Jerusalem, I'm given to understand that the elevators automatically stop at every floor because you wouldn't want to work and push the button to tell it which floor to stop at. So that way you don't have to expend any work, you can just catch the elevator and get off on your floor. <laughs> I
2: love that. Oh. I, all the right. I would imagine. A you'd be all, all
0: crazy? Well, not necessarily, because you know,
2: <laughs>
0: I, I guess the Christians and the Muslims and others there wouldn't celebrate Sabbath, at least not as stringently right. as the Jews would. Well, even among Judaism, but,
1: the population that is this strict is actually a minority.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> that that is level a lot of, of stringent. There Jews
1: that are Jews because they were born a Jew, not
0: ethnic Jew. That's why whenever a celebrity says they're Jewish, it's like, meh. Yeah. That's like, your mom on your grandma's side was Jewish a little bit. That's what that means. And she
1: close, she's, saying she's a Christian,
0: but mm-hmm.
1: so all around Israel, you have Jews yeah. that are just yeah. existing and not really, they'll, they kind of say, yeah, it's the Sabbath, Yeah. Shabbat, but...
0: It, it doesn't have this depth of meaning that for some of these stricter Jews, it, it does. Yeah. Yeah, a couple
1: of groups that are extremely strict. They don't push the button. The, yep. And they have to walk more than 10 feet.
0: Yep. Type of thing. Yep. In Memphis, there's a Jewish section of town. There's a, a large shul there. And they have, like, roped-off area around so you know how far you can and can't walk. So that way it's like you can't go past that rope from your house or from the synagogue because then you'll know you have walked too far, but... If you stay within those bounds, you're probably good. <laughs> I love it. On the one hand, I'm like, wow, that seems excessive. On the other hand, I'm like, well, I love the heart. You know, just trying to keep the law. I don't know. I go back and forth. Um, a teacher was thought to be responsible for his students, kind of like a parent for a child. So if, his, if Jesus' students are breaking the Sabbath, it's Jesus' fault. That's why they go to him. Right. How dare you let your students do this? It's like, uh, you know, a teacher in school, the kids are being rowdy, and the principal walks by the classroom. He's not going to start yelling at the kids, necessarily. He's probably going to pull me out and be like, listen, we need to get those kids in order. Make them behave. Like, that's possible. Um, you about Jesus' followers
2: weren't observing fasting.
0: Yes. Yes. Yeah, and uh, John's disciples and our disciples, they fast. Why aren't yours fasting? Right. Yeah. Very good. Yeah, we talked about that right before this with the, the wineskin and the, the patch of cloth. Exactly. Likely, Jesus and his disciples, they were properly observing the Sabbath, and the Pharisees are just trying to catch Jesus on any overly technical point. They're working by harvesting, by plucking some grain um, to munch on, or they're upholding the tradition of man as a commandment of God. Um, It's that fence around the Torah that we've talked about. The law says uh, you shall not work on the Sabbath. They say that means that's that step. And we do that still too. And that's what we were talking about, which is what the text says versus what the interpretation of the text is. All texts have to be interpreted to some extent, right? Keep the Sabbath, great. There's some extent to which we do have to debate what that means, but we have to be careful that we remember there's that second step. Because otherwise we start telling people our interpretation of it. And we're saying, well, the Bible says, and it's like, "Hold hold on, No, it didn't. No, it didn't. Well, yes, it does right there. Well, that's know what Well, that's what it means. Have you heard that? What they've done is they've equated their interpretation. Now, I'm not saying that there aren't times when it seems like the interpretation is just abundantly clear, surface level that happens. But there are those moments where it's like, it's not as clear. And um, perhaps even there's multiple applications of that. And perhaps the application that worked in that specific moment doesn't work for you right now. You might be in a very different circumstance. I don't know. Just a thought. Um, But here they're saying, well... Can't pluck heads of grain on Sabbath, you're harvesting. Mm-hmm. Come on. That's not harvesting, but that may be like a, a, a law that they have come up with themselves. Like
2: your mother and father. What, mm. what does What's that, that mean?
0: mean? Yeah. What are
2: the steps or the things that, that show? Exactly. Art, you know, and, and you can take that as
0: far as you want. That's a great example. I've heard someone say if you ever, 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 under any circumstance, put your parents into any sort of nursing home, then you don't love them and you're not obeying your parents and loving and honoring them. And I'm like, pause. Are there some that need to be a little bit more cautious? Sure. There's some that aren't taking care of their family. Are there some that it's like this is the best circumstance that they could do and they, they visit them faithfully and they're taking good care? Yeah, there are. That's a hard and fast rule. Right. Well, the Bible says, hold on. That's what you said. Right. Yeah, absolutely. I've heard that particular used against people. We tend
1: to look at the Pharisees very negatively. But if we draw back and just look at them, it's a very human mm-hmm institution they are pushed into. Mm-hmm.
0: That's a good point. As a pastor, as a preacher,
1: your flock is going to come to you and say, what should I do on the Sabbath? Mm. So I'm putting you in the in the position, I'm not interpreting the scripture, I'm asking you to tell me what it means. Yes. And give me some guidance. You know, how should I deal with this thing at school, or this thing at work, or, you know, driving into Bastrop versus Austin, which is weird. <laughs> asking for it, so just that natural interpretation of the flock needs answers. They need mm. guidance. Okay, what's the best guidance? This is what the Bible says. And they were kind of shoved into a position of being that authority of telling, because we like steps. How do I mm. fix this? Give me one, two, three to fix it.
0: Four okay. easy steps. Yeah. Because life is so easy.
2: <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, we always want to compare ourselves to someone else. Mm-hmm. So if what, what tithing is for me is
0: different that's a great you know, example it, it's in the heart so it can be it, yeah it is you can't
2: we start comparing and, and we're not supposed to look back, yes. left and right <laughs> we're yes to look up. And, um, I think that's where we get a lot of trouble mm-hmm. if it's right for me it's got to be right for everyone else so what are the four steps to typing no. <laughs> yeah yeah
0: <laughs> well <laughs> right yeah I always get nervous whenever people... Well, it's simple. I'm like, some things in life are simple. But whenever everything out of this person's mouth instructing me in Scripture and life is... Well, it's simple. I'm like, no, most things in life are actually really complicated. Like, some things are extremely simple, but a lot of things just aren't. And whenever every word out of their mouth is, well, it's simple, you just gotta... I'm like, no, you just have it all figured out. That's what it is. I have it figured out, by the way, which is I have none of it figured out thus I have it figured out. Yeah, that's right. Socrates was the wisest man in the land because he said, well, I know almost nothing. Huh. That's what made him so wise because then he would ask questions to learn. Um, yes, I was going to say something else, but I don't remember what it was. So I'm moving on. I'm sure it was brilliant and you've now been deprived of that. No, uh, okay. Ooh, let's address this one. This one's fun. Why does Jesus say Abathar was the high priest in the passage he references about David? Because it wasn't Abathar. It was a uh, Himalek. Uh, wait. It wasn't Abathar in that story, it was a Himelech his father. Didn't I say son earlier? What am I doing? Who Abathar
2: is the
0: son. Abathar is Oh I see. Whenever I referenced it earlier, it, it was the right information, but it was phrased differently. Well why would I do that? Now that just confuses me. Man. Who put these slides together? Goodness! Avatar was next up, though. Good grief. Yes, he was. Let's go to First Samuel and look at it real quick.
2: That's that's the the best thing to do.
0: That's a good point. You know, I don't know that. You you know, if you're handing something off, when did the business pass from the senior to the junior? Mm -hmm. It's somewhere along the line. Yeah. Um.
2: And even after the senior is running it, the senior is still
0: uh, a lot of saying. So I think of it like a president and vice president, but one of those scenarios where the president was assassinated or became unfit for duty or whatever, and so then the vice takes over for the rest of that term, and then it's, well, that administration, and you might even just refer to it as whoever, but really, well, okay, the other person technically filled in the last, year or whatever. So it could be one of those kind of scenarios. Does it
2: actually in the story
0: call him high priest? Yes. It does. Here, let's look at it. Priest. While
2: he was high priest.
0: Here, let's let's look at it. Verse uh, chapter 21 1 Samuel and 1 through 6 first. David came to Nob to the priest Ahimelech. Ahimelech came trembling to meet David and said to him, "Why are you alone and no one with you?" "'David said to the priest of Himelech, "'The king has charged me with a matter and said to me, "'No one must know anything of the matter about which I spin, uh, send you and with which I have charged you. "'I have made an appointment with the young men for such and such a place. "'Now then, what have you at hand? Give me five loaves of bread or whatever is here.' "'And the priest answered, David, I have no ordinary bread at hand, only holy bread, "'provided that the young men have kept themselves from women.' Uh, And David answered the priest, Indeed, women have been kept from us as always when I go on an expedition. The vessels of the young men are holy even when it is a common journey. How much more today will their vessels be holy? So the priest gave him the holy bread, for there was no bread there except the bread of the presence, which is removed from before the Lord to be replaced by hot bread on the day it is taken away. Actually, the distinction isn't whether or not he's the high priest. Let's pause the distinction is whether he's the one that gave it to David or not. It doesn't say it's like David. That's right. So I, I'm, I was getting confused. It's not a matter of who's the high priest. It's a matter of who gave David the bread. That's the distinction. He does eventually become high priest, yes. But, but then also the, the point is not who is high priest at this moment. That's not the discrepancy. This, the, the debate is, well, then who gave it to David when he was there? And he says it was the high priest, but it wasn't. It was his son who would later become the high priest. gave him the bread. That's the distinction. Um, And then let's go to chapter 22, and I'm not going to read this whole passage. Uh, This is where um, basically Saul finds out what happened, that the priest gave David the bread. And so all the priests at Nob, which is where that person is, are uh, slaughtered. Um... Hold on. Okay, here we go. Verse 16. The king said, you shall surely die, Ahimelech, you and all your father's house. Verse 17. The king said to the guard who stood around him, turn and kill the priests of the Lord, because their hand also is with David. They knew that he fled and did not disclose it to me. But the servants of the king would not raise their hand to attack the priests of the Lord. And then the king said to Doeg, "You Doeg, turn and attack the priests." And Doeg, the Edomite, turned and attacked the priests. And on that day he killed 85 who were uh, wore the linen ephod. No, uh, Nob, the city of the priest, he put to the sword. Men and women, children and infants, oxen, donkeys, and sheep, he put to the sword. So this guy, Doeg, don't be a Doeg. Uh, Doeg is the uh, he's the tattletale. He tattletales that, oh, you know, Ahimelech helped out David and he didn't tell you that he was fleeing and he gave him bread from the presence. And Saul's like, ah. So then he, they come and he tells his men, kill them. And the men are like, this seems ridiculous. Then he turns to Doeg, Doeg, you do it. And then Doeg, he doesn't just kill the priests. Do you notice that? He kills everybody in Nop. It's quite excessive. Um, don't be a Doeg. Don't be a Doeg. I've heard a sermon before called Don't Be a Doeg. That's where I'm getting that from. Um, okay. So, notice this also. Matthew and Luke, whenever they take this exact story and use it for their gospel, they remove the reference to Abathar. They remove his name. You can look at it in Greek and it's the exact same sentence except they've removed Abathar. Which is interesting. Um, Abathar is not yet the high priest at this time. He soon succeeded by his father. Uh, As high priest, Abathar was David's high priest after his father Ahimelech was slaughtered by Saul. Okay. Okay. Here's a take take it for what it's worth. Jesus' kingdom is going to be established like David's, and the priests, Pharisees, and religious officials will just be a relic of the past like Abathar and Ahimelech. Uh, Abathar is also the one who escapes the slaughtering of Ahimelech and his family, brought about by the tattletaling of Doeg the Edomite. In the next passage, the Pharisees team up with the unlikely partner of of the Herodians. Herod was hated by the Jews as their king because he was not fully Jewish. He was in part Edomite. Doeg the Edomite. Uh, Herod is part Edomite. In the very next passage, after the one we're reading, the Pharisees join with the Herodians in order to plot against Jesus. That's a relationship you never thought would have formed. Pharisees and Herodians. Herodians are by definition the more political side, okay? The Jews tend to hate Herod. Pharisees are going to be, you know, Jewish. I mean, they're, they're not in bed with the political fellows. That's the Sadducees. But um, they're going to team up with the, the uh, Herodians because, hey, uh, friend, enemy of my enemy is my friend. So we'll work together. Um, And so there seems to be some illusion there Also is Mark winking and telling us That the high priest will escape again From the clutches of the religious elite But he'll go on and offer the ultimate sacrifice Maybe the high priest is again escaping Maybe that's the point The high priest is again escaping the clutches Of those who would try to destroy him But does he? Because they kill him eventually right? But he also escapes their clutches Because what they think they're doing Is not what they're doing in fact, what they think they're doing is the very thing they think they're not doing. It affects the thing they didn't think it would do. They, by uh, betraying him to uh, the Romans and letting him be crucified, they have actually offered him as a sacrifice. He's also offered himself as the sacrifice, being the high priest. Maybe the high priest escapes the clutches of those who would kill him again, and he makes the ultimate sacrifice. That's my take. I think I think Mark is being clever.
2: faded to the woodwork with all the other prophets that were out there. Mm-hmm. You know, but by doing what they did it woke everybody up to what was really happening. Mm-hmm. And you know, his story lives on.
0: <laughs> Absolutely. Yes. We're time. still talking about that Jewish carpenter from Galilee two we're thousand years later. And him. we don't remember the name of any of those other fake besides. No. Yes. Steve, were you gonna say something?
2: What? No, but I was just
0: thinking there, there's a case in the, in the New Testament where there was a, a high priest that it wasn't the high priest. Mm-hmm. I, but it, 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 it doesn't make you difference. It, it doesn't. Really. It's, it's subtleties. And again, I mean, it's, it's semantics to some extent, right? Because it's like, well, son, father, tomato, tomato. And, and I get that, and that's true. But I also think Mark is being clever. Um, yeah. But I think it's interesting that Matthew and Luke are like, that's a little too subtle, Mark. Which tends to be what Matthew and Luke do with Mark. They're like, that's great and all, but that was a little too subtle. I don't think people are always going to perceive that. I think that's what we see a lot of Matthew and Luke doing with that gospel. Anyway, that's my take. Take it for what's worth. Okay, last question. What, what is Jesus intending to say by that last comment? Okay, so first off, we've got to go to a little bit more of a literal, literal translation because the one that I used, the NRSV, is awful on this verse. The NRSV is doing something that is actually at times really beneficial. The NRSV is trying to be a bit more gender-inclusive. Because, for example, whenever Paul says brothers, brethren, in Greek, the the male plural is actually gender-inclusive. So to say brethren is really to say brothers and sisters. right? The family of God is what Paul's getting at. And I'm like, you know, that's that's important to bring out in the text. Because to simply say brothers kind of makes it a little bit less, but we're, we're being literal. And I'm like, well, you are and you're not. Because the the plural male in Greek can also be used for gender inclusive. And it's, he's talking to everybody. Okay. But then there's moments like this where I'm like, yeah, you just kind of butchered that. And here's why. Here's a very literal translation of this verse. And he said to them, the Sabbath was made for humanity and not humanity for the Sabbath for the son of humanity is also Lord over the Sabbath. In other words, the Sabbath was made for man and not man for the Sabbath. So the son of man is also Lord of the Sabbath. Okay. Now what do you think? Well, I mean, it is gender inclusive. Man is a generic term for all of it. But whenever Jesus says son of man, that's a very direct term. He's playing on his own title is what he's doing there, right? Uh, He's playing on his own title, which is why I think it's important to capture some of that. The Sabbath was made for man, not man for Sabbath. So the son of man is also Lord over the Sabbath. We read over that all the time. And we might even quote it like, oh, you know, Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. Well, Son of, Lord is, Son of Man is Lord even on the Sabbath. And I'm like, great. What in the world does that mean, though? Because we just, like, throw that out there. Like, we all are on the same page about what exactly that means. And I'm like, I don't know. That's, that's really kind of complicated, right? Like, that's actually a little cryptic.
1: Well, let me ask you, who
0: worked the hardest? Go ahead. What'd you say?
2: Yeah. In Israel. Yeah. Who worked the hardest on the Sabbath?
0: Mm, the poor people. No. No? What do you think?
2: who offered sacrifices and praises before God day and night. Jesus okay. is the high priest the order of Melchizedek. And so he is the Lord of the Sabbath and he is working to cultivate and form the temple of God
0: that will be the church of the living God mm. in order for God's glory to be revealed throughout the creation. Preach. That's good. Thank you. That's good. hmm
2: Worked
0: pretty hard. Slaughtering an animals not that easy. <laughs> no, it is not. No, it is not. It's a messy job. I think we often forget whenever you walk into the temple, you know, we have this idyllic image of the temple, like, oh look at how pretty it is. And the, and the the disciples at one point are like, Jesus, look how pretty this is, isn't it party man? It's so party. And then he's like, well, it's going to be torn down and rebuilt in three, you know, that whole thing. But like you walk in and you're probably instantly smacked with the smell of blood species guts i mean it's it's a gross place right but it's also a holy place because sometimes that gritty work is what holiness really takes i'm getting into leviticus i can't yet that's coming later next year okay um in rabbinic law the sabbath restrictions could be set aside if a life was in danger jesus advocates that a similar exception to the usual rule is going on here there are lives in danger I'm only here for a short time. The bridegroom is with you only for a short time. He just said that in the section right before this. Time is of the essence here. I've got work to do. I got to be about my father's business. He says in Luke at the temple. Um, there's an exception here. Is kind of perhaps what part of what he's saying. There is also some possible options of interpretation for the phrase, the son of humanity is Lord even of the Sabbath. So hear me out on this. Everyone is the quote master. So, so this is playing on the word Lord. So, um, we've talked about how Lord often is really referring to the Old Testament name of God, Yahweh. Because in the Septuagint, the Greek translation of the Hebrew Old Testament, Hebrew, it's Yahweh. Whenever they translated it in Greek, it was Kyrios, Lord. Jesus in the New Testament, Jesus is Lord. Yahweh. And that's true. But also, Lord is also just the word for master. So, for example, Peter says, and Sarah called Abraham Lord. Think of it as Sir. Or Also, uh, there are moments whenever someone says, "Uh, Lord, and it seems like they're saying, sir, more than Lord. Now, it's also ironic because if you call Jesus Lord, but you don't understand that he's Yahweh Lord, it's also somewhat ironic because he is, regardless of whether you know it or not, but you're calling him Lord, but you may not have intended that at first, but then by the end of the story, you get it. And so that's another clever way that they they have uh, brought this to the fore, but... Perhaps one interpretation would say, well, everyone is the master of the Sabbath practice so that all can enjoy the day rather than feeling burdened by the Sabbath laws. And there's a there's a a piece in Jewish literature that says the Sabbath is given for you, not you to the Sabbath. It's to serve you and make you feel well rested. It's not in order for you to make sure you get it right and worry yourself silly and stress yourself out trying to follow these most minute laws. And then you end up doing anything except resting on the day that you're supposed to rest. Because you're so focused on these minute laws. And so he's saying, well, you're the Lord of your own Sabbath. Like, purpose in your heart what you will give. Purpose in your So so that's one option. Another option um, is that Jesus is declaring that as the Messianic Son of Man, he is also Lord, all caps, L-O-R-D, of the Sabbath. And he defines what Sabbath practice is and is not because he is God. He can even override the observance of the Sabbath if he so chooses. Because he's Lord. Lord in the, like... Yahweh, all caps, L O R D, Old Testament. Yahweh, I am the Lord your God. Um, that kind of thing. And that's interesting. I don't like the last part though. He could even override the observance of Sabbath if he so. I mean, he could. But to me, it just seems like why well, make that little rhetorical flourish that almost seems like Jesus is like, well, I can do what I want to. And I just, I'm, I don't know. It just seems a little out of character. I think a good, uh, to me, the best thing to do is to take some of the first meaning. But make that the consequence of the second meaning, and thus you transform it into a deeper meaning. Here's what I mean. He's saying, I am Lord of the Sabbath. I do think he's alluding to the fact that he is Lord. I think this, what is it? In charge. Yeah, in charge. I I do think this is a divinity claim. But because of that divinity claim, therefore he says, look, I'm the one that gave the law to begin with. I am Lord. Moses went up the mountain to meet the Lord. Hi, nice to meet you. I am all caps L-O-R-D. I gave it to them. Don't tell me what it means. I gave it to them as a gift. Sabbath was a gift so that they would rest. And you're turning it into something different. So in other words, notice, Jesus makes this a teaching opportunity. He could come to his disciples' defense. You idiots, you are making it all about these little laws and you need to quit it. Quit picking on them. That's not what he does. He's like, the disciples are big boys. They're fine. Look, I'm L-O-R-D. I'm Yahweh. I gave the law, and it was a gift, a good gift, that you have now made something other than that. It's a good gift. Receive it as that good gift. The uh, Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. And I would know because huh, I made it. Mm. Well, and it,
2: God doesn't need the Sabbath.
0: That's right. We need
2: the Sabbath. That's right. I mean, there's lots of things
0: like that. And, you know, that's for interesting.
2: Us, singing. Singing's not, I, mm. I think God enjoys
0: it. Sure. For pleasure, but... It's for us. Mm -hmm. Confession is for us. That's good. Absolutely. He's given you a good gift. God
2: doesn't need our gifts, doesn't need a need. He desires or wants us to Mm -hmm. have that kind of heart. Mm -hmm. But he doesn't doesn't need anything from us, but he wants Mm. a lot from us.
0: Sure. Absolutely. Which, you know, that, that plays into the Sabbath. How have you decided to really honor the fact that I want you to rest? How have you decided to cease from rest? How have you really purposed that in your heart? Are you really resting? Because like, for example, the focus on these minute, minute, minute laws, it's like, yeah, you're not resting. <laughs> you're doing anything but resting. I know you're technically not working, but like, come on, you're not resting either. Right,
2: or even if you're not physically working, but your mind is working oh, on what you've got to do So if your mind is still in the work mode, then you're not really resting Mm -hmm. or recognizing all your blessings.
0: Mm. Sabbath is subversive. Because the dominant world, the dominant empire says, work, 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 work. And eventually we'll take a vacation. And then after that, back to work, 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 work. And God says, look, I'm not telling you not to work. From the beginning, work has been a good thing. They worked in the garden." But also, rest is built into creation, and it needs to be. I mean, show me a person who never takes rest. And I'm not talking a break. I mean rest. And I'll show you someone who's close to burnout or is already uh, running on fumes. You show me land, creation, that has been worked, worked, worked without any rest, without any diversity to it. They destroy the soil. They've done it. And Scripture says in Leviticus, uh, every seven years, give the land a break. And, and move some different soil into it. God
1: rested.
0: God rested on the Sabbath, the seventh day. Absolutely. Yeah. There's something to be said for that because God certainly didn't have to, but he chose to. And here's another thing I've thought about because the, the whole seven thing, you know, that's been repeating for, you know, a while now. Seven days, weeks, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. I think God's still taking a Sabbath. I don't mean that to say that he takes his hands off the world and things aren't running, but I'm saying God himself is the fullness of rest and peace and delight. I think God's still Sabbathing at times. And Hebrews talks about how we're going to enter that Sabbath rest. Um, Yeah, I think there's something to be said for that. I think in the new creation, we will still work. We have this idea that we're going to float off into the clouds like little fat baby cherubs and sing all day. Yeah, that's ridiculous. New creation is coming. And in the new creation, you'll be in a resurrection body like what Jesus had. And you will be working, but you will be working in the fullness of what God has always intended you to be. I think the artists are going to paint with colors we've never even discovered yet. I think that the the cooks are going to make meals that you wouldn't even think are possible. I think that the, the students are going to sit in the biggest library you've ever seen. And I will spend eternity reading every last book I possibly can. And I'll never run out of material. And I think those, for whatever it is you've been given to do, you will spend eternity reaching higher and higher heights of those things. But also, you know what else I think you'll do for the rest of eternity? You'll take a rest. A real Sabbath. Mm. That'll preach right there. Okay, uh, one last thing. It's not about the Sabbath. That's not even necessarily the point. It's about who Jesus is. Notice that. Let's not make this about the Sabbath, because if we make it too much about the Sabbath, it says something about the Sabbath. Don't get me wrong. It says something about the Sabbath, but the whole thing, the whole reason this is included, the whole reason we're talking about it is not to talk about the Sabbath, because the Sabbath doesn't mean nothing if we don't have Jesus. It's not about the Sabbath. It's about Jesus and who he is and what he is. Okay, I'm going to try to go through this let's see if we can do it. The bread of life. You know that I'm big on the bread in Mark's gospel. I preached that sermon, Jesus is the best thing since sliced bread. Throughout Mark's gospel, bread is used over and over again as a theme. In fact, this is the first occurrence of the word bread in the gospel of Mark, whenever he talks about the bread of the presence that David took. And um, over and over, we see this occurring. So for example, um, this is from Leviticus, where it talks about every Sabbath day, Aaron shall set them in order before the Lord regularly is a commitment of the people of Israel as a covenant forever. He is um, setting forth the, the bread every Sabbath um, in the synagogue, which is interesting. They work on the Sabbath. That was an excellent point, Dustin. Thank you. I'm very glad you're here. Uh, they're faithful to the covenant and Yahweh reminds uh, them, the Israelites, that his, his presence is there in that bread every week, which is interesting. His presence is in the bread. Uh, David ate the bread of the presence, which was only reserved for the priest. But could David somehow foreshadow those who are all becoming priests, who all hunger for the bread of the presence? Do you hunger for the bread of the presence? I do. I Got a hankering. The emphasis is on the presence, not the bread. The disciples hyper-focus on the bread and they end up missing the, the presence. Uh, after they, uh, so it's interesting, the crowd came together so that they could not even eat. So the idiom in Greek for eat is actually um, have bread. It means eat, but the idiom literally is have bread. You know how we say like, we're going to break bread together. Okay, we may not have bread at all, maybe a roll or something, but you know what we're saying, we're saying we're going to eat. Same thing. In Greek, it's an idiomatic phrase. They're going to break bread. They didn't even have a chance to break bread. And so over and over you see this. Uh, Jesus tells them, don't even take bread on your journey. You won't need it because I'll be with you. Um, here in Mark 6, uh, you give them something to eat. And they said, are we going to go buy two denarii worth of bread and give it to them to eat? Jesus is like, you've got plenty of bread, right here, but you're not paying attention. Uh, Those who had eaten the loaves numbered 5,000. This is the feeding of the 5,000, of course. Um, and then of course that wonderful line where after Jesus does all these miraculous things, walking on water and the Pharisees, the disciples are hardened in their heart because they didn't understand about the bread. It's not about the bread people. It's about the presence that that bread brings. Uh, they still don't understand. They don't need the bread of the presence because the presence that that bread represented just hopped in the boat with them. But the disciples are not the only ones to obsess about the bread, They noticed that some of his disciples were eating with defiled hands, breaking bread. Literally, breaking bread with defiled hands. Um, Jesus is talking to a, a Gentile lady and he says, well, let the children be fed first for it's not fair to take the children's food, literally bread, and throw it to the dogs. That's an interest. that's an even more interesting phrase whenever you think about Jesus saying, well, it's not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs because of course, children makes you think children of Israel. Bread makes you think bread of the presence goes first to Israel. They had the tabernacle temple. Interesting. Okay. Uh, the bread is for the children. Oh, I said this right here. Cool. Okay. Um, how can one feed these people with bread here in the desert? The feeding of the 4,000. Okay. Same scenario, different occasion, Just to make sure that his readers don't miss the importance of it, Mark narrates both feedings and emphasizes the bread in both. And um, the densest section of references to bread is between the two feedings. So you have the feeding of the 5,000 and then the feeding of the 4,000. And the most times that bread is referenced in the gospel of Mark is between those two. It's a sandwich. (laughs) And it's bread on either side. Oh, people, come on now. Uh, While they were eating, he took a loaf of? bread what moment is that passover. ah passover and of course the institution of the lord's supper tomato tomato same thing yes while they were eating he took a loaf of bread what kind of bread is he giving them unleavened unleavened it's interesting he's given them the bread of the presence but in a way that they hadn't necessarily taken it before The bread theme begins with the talk of bread of the presence from the tabernacle in the passage we just read. It goes through the two feedings and it ends with Jesus talking about the bread of the presence, which is his body. And he hands it to them. The bread of the presence of Yahweh is now shared with all of Israel. 12 apostles, 12 tribes. Everyone is a priest who gets to partake of the presence of Yahweh, the bread of life. It's not about the bread though. It's about the presence. Boom, that'll preach right there. Okay, after uh, I get back, so next week, we will talk about the big mark as a whole. Okay? Uh, we'll finish the, the last little section, the healing of the hand. I haven't made slides yet. I'll do that. And then um, we're finally at the point where I don't have slides in advance, so we're making progress. Uh, I'll, I'll do the, the last part, the A, the, the final bread, and then we'll talk about the big mark as a whole and reflect on that together. Okay? Awesome wonderful. Dustin, would you mind to close with some prayer? Awesome.
2: Father, I thank you for this time that you've given us to, to learn and to reflect on your word, Father. Mighty God, I ask, oh God, that as we go forth from here, that we are reminded always, Lord God, that the Sabbath is for us, and mm-hmm. you are also the Lord of the Sabbath, mighty God. Amen. Help us, oh God, Lord God, not to be phariseutical about these uh, uh, these commands, mighty God, but let us Allow them to take root the way that you intended them to be and help us, oh God, to cultivate the, our hearts in order that we might ro- walk rightly before you. In mm. Jesus' name,
0: amen. Amen. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Text and Context podcast. If you're interested in some other great content, then you can go over to my website, it's contxt.com. It's text and context without E's in it. So again, that's txt, n t-x-t.com. Head on over there and check out a bunch of free resources and plenty of articles about a wide range of topics, as well as book reviews and plenty more. Thank you for listening.